Hello, my friends, and welcome to another study from the Bible, from the Word of God. We are looking at the book of Colossians, and I hope that you have joined in on some of these Facebook Live studies. If you haven't seen them live, that's okay. You can scroll down on my Facebook page or on our West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook page and see them later on, or you can go to our website, westerwin.com. That's W-E-S-T-E-R-W-I-N. Dot com. You scroll over to where it says social media and resources, click on the live streaming page, and then underneath the big blue box, which is where you can see our broadcasts of our Sunday morning service at 10 a.m. and my uh, study and on Sunday evenings at 6 p.m., you can see it there in the big blue box. Just under that is a link that says video archive. And that's where we have all of the previous lessons, a lot of our previous worship services as well, my sermons and these Facebook studies also uh, that I do on Tuesdays and Thursdays live at 3 p.m. And then um, and then the Sunday afternoon study is live on my Facebook page uh, on the Gospel of Mark at uh, 4 p.m. But it shows on that page, westerwin.com, under live stream and the uh, big blue box, it shows their broadcast at 6 p.m. on Sunday afternoons. You're welcome to join me along as we study God's word together. They can throw a pandemic at us. They can throw a lot of civil unrest at us, but they can't keep us from looking to the word of God for our peace, for our guidance, and for our hope and the source of our joy. So I hope that you're continuing to read God's word in the midst of troubling times and that you continue to be in prayer for our nation, uh, for our leaders, uh, for the leaders who will be uh, uh, taking over uh, in the next four for the next four years, and um, and or the next two years, and, and uh, as we think about all of our uh, representatives, our senators for six years, our president and vice president and their staff uh, for including the cabinet for the next four years. And it's a dynamic time uh, for our nation with the pandemic, uh, with the difficulties surrounding this election, the difficulties uh, over the last several months uh, in, in our communities with a lot of rioting and a lot of questions about justice and uh, racism and inequality uh, and a whole lot of other issues. And of course, uh, the inauguration coming up uh, after the events of last week, uh, including the certification of the uh, of the of the presidential vote. So, a lot going on, and uh, I I hope and pray that as um, as we see this transition, as the Biden administration begins, and as our country hopefully settles down. Uh, that we'll be able to uh, to find a way to uh, speak a word from the Lord to those who need to hear it. Uh, that is my prayer. And I hope that we can be examples of faith and trust in God and no one else, of a desire to love and to serve our neighbor as ourselves, what Jesus calls the second great commandment, and of a willingness to uh, to pay a price to do those things, even if called upon to do so. I read something today or yesterday that said something like, no more cultural Christianity. Uh, you either are or you aren't. You're either in or you're out. And if you're in, then that means you're doing what Jesus said, denying yourself, taking up your cross, 
following him to be his disciple. I hope and pray that um, if called upon, you would be willing to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. Sometimes we're called upon and questioned to sacrifice for the sake of things that are less than the gospel. So be very careful with that. Uh, look to God's word, continue to pray, uh, continue to seek trusted counsel from fellow believers, and then do your very best. It won't be good enough. And that's why Jesus came and lived and died. And that's what we're talking about today and next week from this wonderful chapter, Colossians chapter one. So as I'm watching this live, I'm seeing my dear friends, Joe and Lenny Allard from Arlington days years ago. Uh, my wonderful cousin, Gail, who's married to my cousin, Keith. Welcome, welcome. Always great to see you guys on here. And an old, 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 not old because you're old or I'm old, Karen, but an old, old, old friend, uh, Karen Schneider Davis, who has signed on. Uh, she and I were in the youth group together way, way back in San Antonio days at Lackland Terrace Church of Christ. Uh, brings a smile to my face to think of you and to think of all the great memories, wonderful church family that we had during our teenage years. What a blessing. What a great blessing uh, those days were. Uh, so I want us to speak about being worthy of the Lord today. Uh, is that possible even? How can you live a life that is worthy in a world that is so very unworthy? Um, that's the question today. And it's also not a, just a question, it's a prayer. And it's a prayer that Paul gives for the Colossians and I think for us as well. As we introduced this study of Colossians last week, again, we're talking about the book of Colossians on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and we just began this study last week. So you haven't missed much if you're just signing on. But as we talked about it last week, we uh, opened up this study and, and acknowledged that we live in dynamic times and that it's very different now than it was in the Apostle Paul's day in the first century in the Roman Empire. It's very different now than it was when Karen and I were teenagers in the youth group at Lackland Terrace Church of Christ in San Antonio. And it's very different now than it may have even been five or 10 years ago. Um, but that's the, that's the nature of our times. Things change so quickly. And, uh, and so it's good for us to consider where we can find our stability. Uh, it's, and we sing the song sometimes, On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Uh, remembering that great story that Jesus told in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, that those who hear his words and obey them, not just believe them, but obey them, um, are like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains and the floods came and beat against it, but it stood firm. The foolish man, however, represents the one who hears the words of the Bible and does not do them. That person is like the foolish man who built his house on sand. When the rains and floods will come, they will. Uh, and when they do, if your house is built on sand, then it's gonna go splat as the little kids song. And that's their favorite part. My favorite part too, in case you didn't notice. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. We can build our house on the sand and those are the ones who hear the word of God, who believe it and who seek to obey it. Uh, to be worthy, we live in a difficult time. I mean, there's a lot of different things today 
than there were even, as we said, just a few years ago. Um, there's such a great emphasis on feelings and experiences and moving away from the written word of God and the inspired and authoritative word of God and more of how you feel and what makes you happy and 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 those things are important obviously but they're not authoritative there's only one objective standard and it's the word of God and granted we all have to come to that with our own experiences with our own baggage um, and with limited understanding in our humanness so we acknowledge all of those things up front but that doesn't give us the right to not read and study God's word and to uh, concern ourselves with it, meditate on it, think over it, pray over it, uh, discuss with others, and then try to, as best we can uh, to let that word be seen in how we live our lives. I don't think these are just nice things that Jesus or Paul or Peter or Moses wrote down. Um, I think these are things that uh, are God's will for us to live by. And so, yes, we'll do that imperfectly, but let's do that, shall we? Um, even in times of difficulty, yes, even in times when that is hard. But as difficult as our world is today, I don't think any of us would want to go back in time, as the song says, uh, to another period or to go somewhere else in the world today. I mean, where would you go? Um, when would you go? where there would be a time you would say, well, I'd love to be there when Jesus was living and teaching and preaching. Boy, that, that must have been the, the ideal time. Well, do you remember what happened to Jesus? Do you remember what happened to his followers? Uh, all of the apostles uh, killed for the faith, the apostle John, the one exception, and, and yet he lived out his later years uh, in exile and ultimately died. Um, and for a few hundred years after, the, the beginning of the church, um, still Christians were treated so horribly and persecution was so great. And uh, there's just, as you look through human history, uh, world history, even U.S. history, you realize, you know, things have always been tough. The world has always been the world. We try to make a difference. We try to be the light of the world and share the light of the world. Realize that it's always going to be imperfect that it's always going to be tough. Jesus himself said in John 16, that great verse, verse 33, in this world you will have trouble and tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome. Do that. Well, Colossians is going to tell us in these first couple of chapters, but you already know the answer. He did it by giving his life. He didn't do it by wielding his power, although he could have. And Satan tempted him to do that from the very start. In Matthew 4 and Luke 4 and then the people that were mocking him as they were taking his life after his power and he could have he could have but he didn't uh, he would have saved himself had he done that that would have been completely understandable likely what we would have done but we wouldn't have been saved he stayed on the cross for us as Paul tells the Romans in Romans chapter 5 it was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. In the midst of the troubles of the first century world, the Apostle Paul wasn't ready to throw in the towel. On uh, we can shine brightly as people who live lives of hope 
and joy, a hope and a joy that doesn't depend on who wins elections or who's in power or what the latest law is that's going to be passed. Uh, those, those things are things that the world frets over and we're concerned about them and we pray about them. Uh, and you may be inclined to work towards certain causes there. That's all well and good and fine, but that's not the gospel. That's not the kingdom of Christ. And so that is our top priority, and that is the only place. It is on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All those other things are shifting and sinking sand at times, but Jesus is always the one who is our strength. I hope and I pray that because of the times or maybe because of some special challenges in your life uh, that you will that is the only solid rock uh, that we can lean on all other ground is sinking sand like the Colossians we are to have faith in Christ love for others and the hope of heaven that's what he says at the beginning as we read last week in Colossians 1 that's what he commends them for, just as he does the Thessalonians and others. Uh, and, and he calls us to be that, to, to pray uh, for each other. And he prays for them, and, and they pray for Paul. And, uh, and that love that comes for others and that faith that is there solely in Jesus Christ and the hope that we have. Um, not that things will be better in this world, although we pray for that. But our ultimate hope is the hope of heaven. Doesn't keep us from trying to make a difference in this world. In fact, it motivates us to make a difference in this world. Uh, and we seek to live that way. Like the Colossians, each of us is called to live that kind of life. Uh, and like the Colossians, each of us is called to live a life worthy in the Lord. That sounds so intimidating, doesn't it? And how could we ever be worthy? Uh, and so it's it's good for us to consider what that means and what it doesn't mean. And I want us to think about that and, and think about how we can live a life that is worthy. How can we live a life that is pleasing to the Lord? Um, that's what Paul deals with here in this part of, of Colossians. The chapter and then in the chapters that follow, he fleshes that out to a great degree. Um, We'll be today in Colossians 1, verses 9 through 14. So let's read that first, and then we'll kind of go through and do a quickie verse-by-verse uh, verse study today. Colossians 1, verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Uh, we continually ask. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, verse 10, and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father, verse 12, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance. rescued us from the dominion of darkness, verse 13, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I can tell you in the verses that follow, that excitement just keeps building, because Paul talks specifically about that Son whom God the Father loves, and the kingdom that he has translated us and transferred us into. 
and we hear about how supreme and preeminent uh, Jesus is in the verses that follow this passage and the gospel, how the preeminence and supremacy of the gospel comes as well at the end of Colossians chapter one. And, uh, and so I'm excited about the verses that are to come, but isn't this a great passage that we just read? Very challenging passage. It calls us to live a life that is worthy, and then it tells us a little bit about what that looks like. Like much of Paul's letters, Paul is going to get very specific uh, to the Colossians, similar to the book of Ephesians, as he writes to them about what a worthy life looks like. Um, but for now, he's going to introduce that thought. And so we start off in verse 9, Paul praying and calling on them to be filled with spiritual wisdom, wisdom rather than this world's wisdom. What a great statement this is for us today, who are so captivated and animated and um, almost obsessed with this world. This is the call for us to go back to the foundation, to go back to the spiritual, the spiritual wisdom, the spiritual knowledge. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, Paul didn't wasn't there to convert them. But as we read earlier, there's a man by the name of Epiphras that we'll see again in chapter four, who Paul identifies as one of their own. Uh, he was from Colossae, and perhaps Paul may have baptized him during one of his mission trips or while he was uh, pre uh, preaching in Ephesus or in that surrounding Turkey, uh, the Roman province of Asia and the surrounding area. Uh, but for for the Colossians, after he hears about them and earlier in chapter one, he had talked about their great faith and their great love and the great says, look, this is what we have prayed. We have not stopped praying for you. Paul says that a lot. He talks about how much he prays. I think he was a man who prayed a lot. <laughs> because every letter, it seems, he tells them, I am praying for you. And he also asks them to pray for him. I'm praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, this spiritual wisdom. And we need that as well today, too, because that worldly wisdom is, is pretty um, it's pretty inviting. Uh, we like it. And that, no, this doesn't don't need that. That's not true at all. That's not what Bill is saying. But what Bill is saying is that there's worldly wisdom and knowledge and understanding and there's spiritual wisdom and knowledge. Is that contrast in great, great form as Paul talks to the Corinthians and talks to them about what is and what isn't the gospel, what is and what isn't the wisdom and the power of God that's seen in the cross, a laughing stock, uh, something Uh, the the non-Jews, the Gentiles, the Greeks, is there in their search for worldly wisdom. Corinthians, for us, the cross is the wisdom of God and the power of God. It's that spiritual wisdom that Paul calls on them uh, to have. And 
understanding. Um, we continue on in verse 10, the first part, he says, live a life that is worthy. And part of the way you do that is by bearing fruit in every good work. Verse 10, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. We'll get to that second one in just a moment. But first of all, bearing fruit in every good work. This is how we live a life that is worthy. And this is the reason why I believe the New Testament is written. So that Christians can live a worthy life. A perfect life? Absolutely not. Impossible. We don't do it. We could do it, but we don't. Um, live a life that is perfect and sinless? Nope. That, that just won't happen. Can we live a life that is worthy? Yes. Yes, we can live our lives in response to the gift of God. The, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, his blood that saves us from our sins, we can live a life on the other side of the cross that is worthy, not perfect, but a life that desires to build our lives on that solid rock and stand on Christ and Christ alone. Paul tells us that we are to live a life that is worthy. He tells the Ephesians the same thing in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Live a life that is worthy. In Romans chapter 12, he says, in view of God's mercies that he's talked about for 11 chapters, uh, live a life that is worthy. And, by, and in Romans 12, he says that what that looks like is offering our bodies as living sacrifices, seeking to please God 24-7, 365, everything we say and in everything we do. Paul will say that exact thing in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, that it, whether in word or deed, we do everything to honor Jesus Christ. We do everything to glorify our God and to give thanks to the Father through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, here he begins that that message, live a life that is worthy, live a life that seeks to please him in every way. Uh, I mentioned in my sermon this past Sunday morning as we began this study in the book of Romans that we'll be looking at on Sunday mornings here at West Irwin Church of Christ every week. Again, you can watch those online live at our website at 10 a.m. each Sunday morning, westerwin.com. But it's a call that says we live a life that is worthy. We seek to commit ourselves to righteousness living, accepting the righteousness of God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, that's the call that we're to do and to please God in every way. Uh, we won't hit that goal, but that is our goal. And hopefully as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3, that we become better and better at that. Perfect never. Um, and there may be some ups and downs along the way, will be some ups and downs along the way. But as we grow in our faith and in our knowledge and in God's grace, uh, we seek to uh, make him the focal point of our lives and glorify him in all that we do. Paul says as he looks back on a chapter where he focused on the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, therefore, don't let anything keep you from fulfilling the commandments of God, from doing the work of the Lord. Don't let anything discourage you 
he says much the same thing to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 6, starting with the household of faith, but continuing far beyond our brothers and sisters in Christ, doing good and helping others wherever we may find ourselves. That's the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know that song, the kids' song. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the kind of life we are to live. And when we live that way, then we will allow our opportunities to come about where we can talk about our Lord and his word and his saving gospel to others and perhaps get them uh, to join us. Ephesians 2 verse 10, Titus 3 verse 8, so many great passages of scripture that call us to do stuff. Uh, as I was mentioning, uh, Karen, my dear friend and sister from San Antonio days, one of our elders at that time was a wonderful man by the name of Daryl Flint. He was a school administrator at a public high school in, in uh, San Antonio and a great Bible school teacher. And Daryl had a, had a saying, he said, biblical faith is not just believing that it's so, it's acting like you believe it's so. I think that's what Paul is calling us to be and to do here in Colossians. Uh, next, number three, we continue in verse 10. Grow in the knowledge of God. Let's read verse 10 again. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, as we just talked about, growing in the knowledge of God. It's not an option for Christians to just coast. It's not an option for us to say, well, you know, my faith is strong enough. I, I've studied the Bible long enough. Even if you've been in the church for decades, and some of you watching this have, you are some of the ones that inspire me the most because you're constantly looking at God's word. You're, you're viewing this Bible study right now because you wanna grow and understanding and in the knowledge of God and his word, because that's one of the ways that we live a worthy life. Paul tells the Ephesians the same thing in chapter four, to continue to grow and grow in your love for each other, in your consideration and respect for each other, in, in your unity with one another, in the respect and use of your gifts of one another. Um, Peter says much the same things to the people that he knows. And in Hebrews chapter five, the writer of Hebrews makes it very clear how we grow. He says, we grow in our understanding, even though some uh, should be teachers, they are in need of being taught. And, and why is that? He gives us the answer at the end of chapter five and the beginning of chapter six in Hebrews, when he says, we through constant use have learned how to use God's word and how to apply it to our lives and how to share it with others. That's the difference. Grow in the knowledge of God. This is how we live a worthy life. Number four in verse 11, be strengthened by his power, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Uh, we are strengthened by his power. Again, power looks different to God. Power is seen by giving his life on a cross to Jesus. The world sees power as, hey, come down from that cross right now and we'll believe you. That's power the way the world measures it. The way Jesus measures it is the power by giving up things, 
by allowing others to have their way, by seeking what is in the best interest of someone else rather than ourselves. That's true biblical love, and that is true biblical power. And it leads to great endurance, Paul says, and it leads to great patience. That's how we grow in endurance and patience, by leaning on and being strengthened by the power of God and his word. Uh, That's how we endure difficult times. That's how we're patient, uh, waiting for vindication, waiting for right to triumph. We may not ever see it in our lifetime, but that's okay. A lot of Bible characters and heroes never did. Jesus never did. But on that third day, he was raised. He had to go through a lot before that happened. And we will too, but we trust in the same Father, and we trust that he too will make all things right. We are strengthened by his power, and it gives us great endurance and patience through the difficult times. And then finally, in these verses, in verse 12, we are called to give joyful thanks, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. What a great, great statement. Joyful thanks, gratitude for our blessings, acknowledging our great blessings. Like the old song says, count your many blessings, name them one by one. That's what we are called to do, to not focus on the things we don't have, but focus on the blessings that we have. Not focus on those things that we think we deserve, that we don't have, but focusing on the great blessings that God has given us that we in no way, shape, or form deserve or can earn. I have a great story about that, but I'll save it for another time. Give joyful thanks. Paul says to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Words that he wrote like these words to the Colossians while he was incarcerated, while he was under house arrest, awaiting for his trial before the emperor Nero in Rome. To the Thessalonians in those great verses in 1 Thessalonians 5, Verses 16 through 18, he says, uh, give thanks in everything. Pray continually. Always give yourself uh, to the work of the Lord. He is calling on us to rejoice in verse 16. Rejoice always, just as he says to the Philippians. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing the traditional verse in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17. Always giving thanks to God the Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what we're called to do. Um, We don't uh, deny the difficulties of the time, but we also don't get lost in them either. We don't let them steal our hope. We don't let them steal our joy because our hope and joy are not based on the circumstances of the day. They're not based on the latest election or the next election. They're not based on the bank account or the the uh, word from the doctor, those are all important things. All of them are, and we pray about them, and we mourn when we face difficulties in those areas, but we do not mourn like those who have no hope. That's what Paul tells the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 4. That's what he tells us as well. Focusing on God's blessings leads us to gratitude and results in a joyful life. That's a worthy life right there. To live the worthy life is to remember that we have been rescued and redeemed. Uh, We have been transformed and transferred into the church of Jesus Christ, the kingdom 
of the Son that God the Father loves. That's these verses, verses 12 through 14. Giving joyful thanks again to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I want us to look back at these verses as we begin the lesson on Thursday because we'll be talking about the supremacy of Christ, the preeminent one. But let us remember what these verses say, verses 13 and 14 especially. He has called us and rescued us out of the dominion of darkness and translated us, sent us, brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. And it's that Son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of our sins. So many scriptures that talk about that, that share that wonderful statement of the gospel, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. John 3, 16. Romans 5, again, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. What a great and powerful, powerful statement. I'm looking forward to preaching from the book of Romans over the next few months as we consider these great words and the call to righteousness living. But that call is based on the fact that we have been brought into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, the righteousness of of God. We have been rescued and we have been brought into the kingdom of Christ. Uh, responding to this great gift in grateful, trusting, loving obedience is the only way we could ever be worthy. Sinless, never. Perfect, of course not. Worthy, yes. We can be worthy. We can earn it, but we can be worthy. Living that way is the only thing that we can use, that can demonstrate our love and gratitude for the one who made all of this possible. It's not our doing, but rather it's our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we can't earn it. We'll never deserve it. But we can live a life that tells him by word and by deed, thank you. Thank you, God, for all you've given me. Praise you for the great blessings that you have given me by bringing redemption into my life from this dominion of darkness by bringing me into the kingdom of the son that you love. What a great, great statement. We have been transformed into the image of Christ and now we are being transferred and brought into the kingdom of Jesus Christ as well. That kingdom is the church and he's going to talk about that church in the rest of Colossians chapter 1. I pray that you will be blessed today. I look forward to sharing more lessons from Colossians with you. Thank you for being a part of these studies. Continue to pray that God will transform, transform more into his image and bring more into the kingdom of the son he loves and then be open to God using you to do that exact thing. Amen.